Hello, welcome back to Solidarity House Podcast. Before we get into our topic for the day, just as a reminder, if you like the content we make and would like to support us, go ahead and visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash solidarityhouse and pledge us a dollar, five dollars, whatever you're comfortable with, because this is what keeps podcast episodes coming out. And it's what keeps this collective going so that we can have the content to make. And we also have a new social on TikTok. And that username will be Solidarity Collective YO. And although we only have a few videos up, it'll definitely give some more visual aid to see what we're doing here at Solidarity Collective. And don't forget to visit us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to see what we're up to. Now I, Phineas, will be joining today. Today we're going to be covering a controversial yet important topic to be discussing in the wake of the overturning of Roe v. Wade and the wake of mass abortion bans. And soon everyone here at Solidarity Collective is going to be involved in a discussion surrounding the repercussions that this has and what this means for other rights as we know it, as well as, you know, discussing how the Supreme Court is really corrupt at the moment. But that's for a later date. So the topic at hand relates to the area that I work in. I am an herbalist and I am currently studying through the American Botanical Council to start my certification later down the line. I am more the beginner level but have enough knowledge to be able to prescribe people specific types of herbs, extracts, tinctures that will help them with any issue that they come to. And so in relation to studying herbalism and having that be a part of my my self-practice, my self-style. One of the topics I've had to study in the past, um, especially in relation to political knowledge, because herbalism does have basis within science, within political systems, within politics in general, because it is a natural medicine. And not natural in the sense of it's better for you, but in the sense of this is what our ancestors, our family lines, and people who we respect have known for ages. Most modern medicine is based off of herbalism that, with the knowledge that has existed for hundreds of years. But yeah, in relation to politics and herbalism, one of the things I've had to discuss and research was herbal abortions. And this can be very triggering content. So if these kinds of topics are very disturbing for you, if they bring up any bad memories, feel free to click off this episode. We have plenty of episodes that you can listen to. I do not want to intentionally trigger anyone with no warning. But yeah, we will be discussing abortions and specifically herbal abortions and herbal abortifacients. But there's a book that I have um, that I got through a publisher that makes specific types of prints to make it more accessible to those who are involved with political action. Through this book, I learned not just the history behind herbal abortions, but why they faded over time, why they weren't quite as respected, and how it became demonized by those in power, particularly Christian men within positions of power. It also discussed how we were able to keep the modern forms of knowledge that we do have about it. And after it gave this very basic understanding of herbal abortions within history, it went right down to the nitty gritty because believe it or not, herbal abortions are extremely risky. Herbal abortions are risky because of the fact that it is very based within specific dosages. Everybody's bodies are extremely different. That's 
it's for the exact same reason why if you get plan B, you have to be underneath a certain weight or it won't work because all bodies are different and will not treat medications or herbs the same as anyone else. So it went into possible toxicity signs. It went into the risks of herbal abortions, including the risk of not completely expelling the fetus, the risk of hemorrhaging, the risk of septic shock, upon many other uh, consequences that could come about from herbal abortions. And it even said, although there has been research to suggest that herbal abortions do work and that done right, they can actually help save people, it does say that like a lot of different people have come up with different results and that it may be a little iffy as a result. And it did also later go on to the types of herbs used within herbal abortions, the specific dosaging, um, how to take that, um, because some you take in a tea form, others you take in suppository form. There's many different ways to take herbs. And besides that, it also gave extreme warnings on any herbs that may cause severe toxicity. So with things like parsley and ginger, which are more menstrual promoters than they are abortifacients. It said, always in moderation, but you know, these aren't too dangerous to be drinking. Um, it did say for parsley to not take it for more than a couple days. That's besides the point. It was pretty safe otherwise. But then for things a little bit more extreme, it had to give an entire list of the signs of toxicity that could be found with those. And one of the ones that wasn't very high up, but people take anyway, and so it's a very general warning that I give people, was mugwort. It, mugwort is also a menstrual promoter, but it's also good to take alongside other herbal abortifacients. And one of the things it warned is, t is to not take it for more than five days. Um, because if you take it for more than five days, it could actually cause liver failure. And that's something a lot of people don't consider, is the fact that mugwort is a little toxic to the body if you take it too often. It's fine to take it every once in a while as a tea if you're using it for lucid dreaming or for um, improving your psychic abilities, if you're in that whole spiritual sense. But mugwort can be dangerous if you take too much of it, it can cause liver failure. And if you don't recognize it right away and get to a hospital, it can have severe effects on your entire body. And one of the things that led me to want to do this kind of episode within herbalism first without saying, oh, here's a local herb slash plant that exists in Wyoming and here's how to use it and what are its benefits is because Roe v. Wade has caused a huge wave of fear to sweep this country. It's causing young, vulnerable teenage girls and young adult women to be concerned for their ability to get access to an abortion. Some people live in states that are surrounded by states that do not allow abortion anymore. And so a lot of people are very scared and they are turning to different forms of abortions that are unsafe. Um, in the past, that used to be coat hanger related abortions. Um, but now a lot of people are turning to herbal abortions. A lot of people are turning to medications and vitamins um, in order to expel a fetus, which is very dangerous because even if you don't, if you can't die necessarily 
from overdosing on specific types of vitamins, you can still get sick. And depending on your needs and your body, it can actually cause a lot more issues than you believe it can. And so in a world where we d would not have perfect medical procedures, I could totally see the need for an herbal abortion, even with the risk of dying or going into septic shock because of the possibility of a fetus not being expelled. Because that was a thing in the past that usually people would not turn to herbal abortions immediately because there was always the risk of dying. And so a lot of people who went to seek abortions were usually people who already had a 50-50 chance of dying. Because if you were already going to be killed by someone else or by your own fetus, it was better to take that risk than to not take that risk because either way you still had 50-50 chance. But besides the point, so in the past, that being one of the few ways you could get out of a pregnancy, wanted or unwanted, there was no other form of access to abortion. But nowadays we do, and you can get them in the mail, you can get them from out of state, depending on your state's laws. And I can say one of the things that concerned me after Roe v. Wade was overturned was that immediately after, um, a lot of the comrades that we have here with us in Wyoming, were asking me about herbal abortions as an herbalist saying like we should create some underground network and I even said although yes we should create access for people to get out of state if they need that kind of care I in in good conscience cannot do herbal abortions and it's not because of the fact that I doubt my own skills it's because of this risk factor playing out that I could be held responsible. I could be held in court of law for a death that I was responsible for. Because we also live right next to Colorado and in Fort Collins, as well as Denver, they still have Planned Parenthoods and they still have abortion care providers. And to my knowledge with the abortion ban here in Wyoming, although it has no exceptions, it does not ban the practice of going out of state to get the abortion that you need. which. Honestly, I say is a miracle. But either way, we were not a state that was surrounded by all these other states that did not allow abortions. And so at least living in Southeast Wyoming, I said I could not provide herbal abortions in good conscience knowing that there are other options that we can help other people get access to abortion this way than putting someone's life at risk. Because I believe that we should be studying these forms of herbalism so that you know, in shit hits the fan kind of scenario, if we no longer have access to medications, if we have no access to abortion pills or plan B or anything like that, you know, at the end of the day, you have a chance to not go through a pregnancy that you don't want or that could kill you. But we don't live in that kind of world yet. And unless you are that isolated and no one can help you get to that kind of abortion, I would severely not recommend herbal abortions whatsoever. And I don't think that this wave of fear that I was talking about earlier, especially on social media, is helping. Because a lot of people are panicked, a lot of people are not sure what to do, and this is also freaking out the younger generation, because we've never known any kind of issues like this. Because keep in mind, I was a, a young teenager when same-sex marriage 
was finally put into place with Obergefell. I did not see a lot of issues that surrounded bands because I was allowed to be a tomboy. I was allowed to be close with someone even if I wasn't allowed to marry them. I personally, as someone who is Gen Z, did not experience a lot of fascist movements or fascist actions. And now Gen Z, especially the younger side of Gen Z, is scared because now they're starting to see the effects of Christo-fascism. They are starting to see the effects of what happens when you allow reactionary fascists to take control of human rights and medical care. You are seeing these bans where you can straight up tell them you're dooming women with ectopic pregnancies, you're dooming people with uteruses in general, you're dooming trans men, you're dooming intersex people, you're dooming anyone who has to get an abortion. And they don't care because they are not interested in knowing, they are not interested in the lives that could be lost. They are only interested in bringing about the next generation of workers. They are only interested in bringing about the next generation of white people in white supremacist cases. When herbal abortion knowledge was first being brushed under the rug and forgotten about, it wasn't because people intentionally chose to do so. A lot of the midwives and healers of communities were being threatened by the men of their communities, especially after the Christian movement started. And by Christian movement, I'm talking about when Christianity finally started becoming popular and started becoming the main religion. A lot of men were threatening these, these people who were midwives and they were telling them, if I find out that you did an herbal abortion, or if I find out that you did this, you did that, not only could we jail you for that, but we could hang you if we so chose to. And so a lot of this knowledge went into private because even speaking about this knowledge was enough to rile up the people in charge within those communities. And so through silence and through violence, a lot of this knowledge was lost. And we're starting to see this now. Even speaking about getting an abortion could put you on a watch list, where even traveling out of state put you, puts you on a watch list and under immediate investigation, where having a genuine miscarriage, which is the hardest thing that anyone who gets pregnant can go through if they wanted that child, is now immediately under investigation for possibly inducing an abortion on themselves. And just for clarification, when I'm talking about what I'm about to talk about, I am mainly talking about specific sectors of spaces. This is not to shoot down feminism in general. It is not to shoot down women. It is just something that I have personally seen and have been the target of. A lot of spaces where abortion rights are being discussed, especially on places like TikTok. First, it was a lot of women who were very concerned about their rights, usually white women. And a lot of trans and intersex people were like, that's great and I'm glad you're talking about it. But also let's discuss how this majorly affects trans people and intersex people. Because if you aren't aware, trans men, if they are on testosterone and they aren't aware that they're pregnant, because the, there's also that piece of misinformation for trans men is that they 
believe that because of the testosterone they can't get pregnant and so they can be pregnant for multiple months and never know until it's too late but because of the of the fact that there is this testosterone being introduced into the system that is not naturally produced there is a chance that it can harm the child that is inside the womb and this is not to say that hrt is essentially harmful and that trans people should not be on it. Um, this is just a clarification of why trans men tend to go off testosterone for some time if they plan to have a kid. Um, because there is the possibility of birth defects, depending on your dosage. And so this can cause even worse issues, more complications during delivery. And on top of that, intersex people, no matter what you were assigned at birth or what your body looks like, um, intersex people who either just only have an, a difference in hormones or even maybe an abnormality with their um, reproductive organs can see a lot of fatal effects as well. And this is just for naturally occurring parts of their body. And when a lot of trans and intersex creators were talking about this, a lot of women, as I said, particularly white women, were accusing trans people and intersex people of trying to decenter women as the main target of these anti-abortion bills and would then say you're trying to say that women don't deserve to speak up which was not the case whatsoever a lot of trans and intersex creators were saying we're not asking women to no longer say they're oppressed because they totally are but a lot of poc women especially black and indigenous women and hispanic women at the border are already facing a lot of consequences in terms of reproductive rights as well as human rights. And on top of that, trans and intersex people are more likely to face issues in this regard that you're not affected by. Because yeah, cis women can totally be affected by ectopic pregnancies, can totally be affected by miscarriages. But the issue is that they took an issue when trans and intersex people were talking about why they as like people were being oppressed by abortion bills, and we're starting to see a similar bigotry within quote-unquote feminist spaces. This is why I made that clarification, because feminism is great. Feminism is fine and dandy, but I know there are specific spaces, whether they're intentionally turf spaces or non-intentionally turf spaces, where women are getting upset that trans and intersex people want to be included in this movement, in this wake of oppression. So not only are old white men trying to determine um, the rights of a body that they know nothing about, but now we're seeing this in supposedly progressive spaces too. And it's hurting a lot of people, not just legislatively, but socially. And when more fear like this is done, the more issues you'll have in regards to herbal abortions. Because don't get me wrong, herbal treatments are great. Um, the amount of people who have seen success in treating gout with tart cherry extract is wonderful. People who have had issues with leg pain and general body pain love elephant head tinctures. Like, it works wonders for them. And some people literally just need some more vitamins in their system, and it's fine. Like, vitamins, supplements, tinctures, herbs, wonderful, and can help treat a lot of issues that they can't normally treat at the doctor. The amount of people I've had ask me like, hey, the doctors literally can't do anything for me. I have long COVID and they can't do anything for me and I'm suffering. What can I do to like 
alleviate long COVID symptoms. And there are ways to treat that, to at least make their quality of living better than, you know, if they had just not seeked out treatment through herbalism at all. And it's not supposed to replace modern medicine. But the issue is that a lot of people are taking this into extremes that they don't need to be. Because although herbal abortions are just another abortion, um, especially in areas where medical procedures are not common, are not able to be afforded, you know, herbal abortions are important in those kinds of areas and they were important in the past. But with the medical technology that we have now to be able to provide safe abortions to people who need it, herbal abortions are not the way to go because there's just too much risk that comes with specifically herbal abortions. And that's one of the reasons why, even in this episode, I do not want to discuss what kind of herbs have been suggested for herbal abortions, because I'm scared that someone's going to take a snippet of this information without the full knowledge, without the full research, and try to attempt something like that themselves. That scares me. And it is in no way trying to gatekeep um, information, because you can find this knowledge yourself. I would recommend a book or a proper medical article that has been made compared to a Tumblr post, a TikTok post, an Instagram post, but that information is out there. But it gives me a lot of anxiety knowing that even 16-year-olds are going out and buying mugwort and possibly overdosing it on, on it because they are scared of what this means um, for their rights as a person who can give birth. So what does this mean then in terms of action? So although it does not hurt to study herbal abortions for worst case scenario, I would totally suggest doing more activism around keeping reproductive rights. Because even if Biden has something going through the House and the Senate, there is no guarantee that we can make it legal in all 50 states through this method and it is better to go out and donate to funds that provide resources to those who need an abortion, to those who need to get out of state. It'll give resources so people can afford abortions if they cannot afford it within their own state. Um, it is much better to donate financially to these funds that are trustworthy than to go out and promote a risky procedure. And on top of that, whether you decide to stay peaceful or if you decide to go a little bit more against the grain, um, protesting, rallies, stuff like that is always a good step. It shows public opinion at the, at the least and can actually create change at most. But yeah, political action. If you can, go out there and actually fight to ensure that women, trans people, intersex people, anyone who is affected by these abortion bans can get the resources they need to be able to live a long, healthy life without having their bodily autonomy forced away. Because I bet you, if you do enough searching around your local area or even a town or two over, maybe even in the next state, there are people who are interested in your community's ability to access reproductive procedures. Just recently, we had met people from Fort Collins who have an entire initiative going on to ensure that people of Wyoming can get access to the reproductive procedures that they need. There are people who care, you just gotta find the people. So thank you so much for joining me in this discussion, and I hope to see you in the next episode. 
Um, before you go, do not forget to visit our Patreon if you're interested in supporting us financially. It'd be patreon.com slash solidarity house. And feel free to check out our socials, especially our TikTok account, Solidarity Collective YO.